0: Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've
1: changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is the People Podcast with Chris Sanzak and Aaron Camaro. yes
2: yes it is time as a matter of fact time right now for the decimal geek podcast as we present geek wire the latest and greatest news happenings things in the world of hard rock and heavy metal we're going to cover it all and then some right here for you today you guys know me i'm aaron camaro Joined, as always, with the man with his finger on the pulse of the news. He's not watching CNN. He's not watching Fox. He's not watching MSNBC. He's watching the skies for signs of rock and metal. It's Chris Sinzak. What do you see, my friend?
0: Well, I'm mostly watching Blabbermouth, but that sounded better.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Hey, they mentioned us this last week.
0: Yeah, hats off to Blabbermouth. That's uh, twice in like a month that they've brought us up. Um,
2: and three times in 20 years. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the curse is broken, apparently.
2: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Well, when we're talking to people like Jason McMaster, and he's given us the inside scoop on the Watchtower, at the time, possible reunion, and now that's all coming to fruition... Well, all of a sudden we find ourselves in the news.
0: Yeah, we get to feel like Toomey for one week.
2: Nice. Now I know. It feels good.
0: Although I was talking to somebody the other day, and um, Sinkin' Stanley gets more press than all of us do.
2: You know what? And for good reason.
0: <laughs> we'll actually get to that later in the show today.
2: Oh, okay, cool. I'm always, always up for some Sinkin' Stanley news. Yeah,
0: he's always on the case.
2: Right on. Well, the world is full of crazy happenings, good, bad, ugly, or otherwise, and it's all about the rock and the metal when you're tuning into the Decibel Geek podcast. So, Chris, what kind of news stories you got for us today?
0: Starting off with a headline that kind of surprised me. Uh, Nuno Bettencourt says that Extreme had three albums worth of material to choose from for their new six LP. Wow. I'm uh, hmm. I had the opposite thought. Because this album sounds like they had three, four good, really good songs. And then, oh, I've got this from my solo stuff. And, oh, I've got this from my side band. Let's just throw it in here.
2: Yeah, that's kind of sort of what I thought, too, because I recently picked up the disc. I didn't get it when it was new, but then I followed it and it's like, you know what? It is extreme. I always kind of like this band. I want to check it out. I want to give it a shot. And everybody was right. Three or four really good songs. So if you had... Three albums worth of material to choose from. Why'd you pick these ones?
0: Or how bad do these other songs sound?
2: Boy, if this was the best of the best that they could have come up with. And like you say, a handful of them songs on that album are really good. Oh, yeah. Really, really good. But it seems like for most of the second half of the album just kind of drops off.
0: Well, them trying to put in like electronic elements on stuff i was like what is this yeah you know nuno's been hanging out with rihanna a little too much
2: ah so rihanna's to blame
0: well i don't know when in doubt blame rihanna I guess <laughs> she was having lunch with sammy the other day
2: oh snap <laughs> that's funny yeah i don't know that's weird man three albums worth of stuff that should give you a perfect album. Like if we got shit, what do you say, like 40 songs? We got 40 songs to choose from and maybe 12 of them are going to make it on the album. So what happened? You know, it, why couldn't this have been a perfect album if that's the case?
0: Yeah, he says they had 30, 40, 50 tracks to choose from.
2: Huh. That's confusing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah.
0: Stay tuned for the deluxe edition of six.
2: Five discs.
0: Yeah, the the extreme six album vault.
2: I'm guessing that if we would have had access to that, we could have helped them put out a better album maybe. Not saying it was terrible, but I highly doubt it's going to be in my top ten at the end of the year.
0: No, it's not going to be in mine.
2: It's too bad. Yeah, I looked forward to it.
0: Aerosmith feels like they just got started on this farewell tour and uh, they've already postponed some shows. Apparently, Steven Tyler suffered vocal cord damage during one of their recent shows and had to make the announcement this week. That sucks. That
2: sucks. But we kind of said at the beginning of this, when this was announced, it's like, what more can Aerosmith really do nowadays? You know, are they going to go the, the kiss route? and rely on a lot of backing tracks to help support them to make it happen? Apparently not. If Steven Tyler's getting out there and blowing out his throat, then he must be trying to do it for real. So for that, I give him respect.
0: I did see on Twitter that Paul Stanley put a reply to the, the uh, tweet about it that just said, hey, Steven, I know a guy.
2: <laughs> I got a machine. It helps me. <laughs>
0: That vocal smoothing pedal.
2: So then it comes back to the same debate in the world that we're in, where our heroes are getting to be into elderly status. And so you say, okay, Aerosmith, they went out there, they gave it their best shot. They ain't got it no more. So at that point, do you say, well, I guess maybe he should be using tapes to help him put on these shows.
0: No. I I think he hang it up before you go that route.
2: But they already announced the tour and they're going to have to make up the
0: dates. They can always refund the money and just say sorry folks, we gave it our best but it's time when it's time it's time.
2: You know what? I could respect that a lot more, I think.
0: That's what I that that in my opinion is the ethical thing to do. But, you know, there's money to be made, and the Black Crows want to make money too because they're on the same tour, so who knows what will happen.
2: Wow. Yeah. I mean, that would be something to come out and say, you know what? Look what happened. I blew my vocal cords, but I was trying to be real for the fans, you know, and that means something.
0: Yeah. I am I was already bummed that Joey Kramer's out of the band anyway, so it's yeah. not a, not as big a deal to me really, but uh, I do – I hope it – his voice recovers, and they can get on with the show. Too expensive for me to go, but uh, I hope everyone has fun that goes. So if you were going to go to Chicago, Detroit, Washington, Toronto, Rally, and Cleveland, uh, you're going to have to wait till late January, February to see him.
2: That's a bummer, man. Well, I hope that they can figure it out. I hope they don't have to rely on backing tracks. And Aerosmith is a legendary band, and I freaking love Aerosmith, especially... The old school stuff. But man, I hate to see it happen to him. It's like Aaron Rodgers is the aerosmith of the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't even barely get started and you're getting carted off already.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I'm kind of tired of hearing about Aaron Rodgers and I really I'm not a Jets fan, but at the same time I was super bummed for Jets fans. Like they did not deserve that. Not that we're a football show.
2: Right. I was super bummed for Aaron Rodgers, kind of the same way I am for Aerosmith.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
2: Well, damn.
0: A couple of weeks ago, we did a uh, Desert Island Disc article that was put out, because Access TV does these interviews with rock stars, and we had a good time with that one. So there's another one you want to take on, Steven Piercy's?
2: I like these. The Rob Halford one was pretty much right where I expected it to be. I'm expecting to see some Led Zeppelin, some Aerosmith, some Sabbath. Yeah, and what else? What else we got?
0: He says his first choice, number one, would be Physical Graffiti by Led Zeppelin.
2: Yeah, I figured that. When you're talking about Steven Piercy and you think about where he came from, what was his influences, number one, I'd say Led Zeppelin.
0: Yeah, and he said number two would be Judas Priest staying in class.
2: Nice. That's also my favorite Judas Priest album.
0: And he talks a little bit about Robin Crosby and the influence that they had and all that and when they first heard Priest. Uh, number three, he's going with Secret Treaties from Blue Oyster Cult. Wow.
2: You know what? That's outside the box of what I would expect from him, but that is a pretty killer album.
0: He said that album is what helped him learn how to play guitar. Nice uh fourth choice he's picked van halen first record
2: yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense too
0: and for his fifth and final choice he picked the first black sabbath album
2: wow you know i guess two out of three i thought for sure aerosmith would be in there with steven Piercy
0: yeah i mean because you can always hear the aerosmith influence but yeah he kind of went with some darker heavier stuff
2: yeah, I like it. Those are all great picks. I can't question not a single one of them.
0: No. Uh, this should be a fun story to go over. <laughs> From this quote day forward, Chad Kroger will no longer talk about hate for Nickelback.
2: From this day forward, he don't want to talk about it.
0: He says, we get to take the narrative. We get to actually tell our version It's like you turn the cheek for as much as you can, and then at some point it's like, here's our take on it.
2: They just kind of got the Grand Funk thing going on. You know, Grand Funk Railroad was a damn good band back in the 70s, but here in the United States, nobody gave them a lot of love. They put out a shit ton of great albums. They toured relentlessly. They had a long career that continues to this day, but they just couldn't get the respect.
0: Yeah, and... He he gets pretty, he sounds pretty angry in this quote. He says, if somebody stuck, he's talking about a microphone. If somebody stuck that thing in your face every single day and said, the whole world hates you like this, the whole world hates you. What do you have to say about that every single day, every day? Yeah. Would there be a reluctance on your behalf to talk about it? Would you get pissed off? Would you be over it after a while? I'm over it. We made a documentary. Everybody can watch it. And now from this day forward, if anyone asks that question in the press, it's like, that's the end of the interview. So if you want to end an interview, that's all you have to say, and that will be it.
2: Wow. Well, damn. I guess we're never going to get Nickelback on the Decibel Geek podcast because your first question would be a statement of how much you hate them.
0: Now, no. i got to stop sending those weekly emails.
2: <laughs> I'd love for you to come on Decibel Geek and talk about how much Chris Sinzak hates you.
0: Yeah. It's such an overblown thing on our show, though, because like I I did it just for a goof early, early in the show. I really don't hate him. I mean, there's actually a couple of songs I think have really good riffs. His voice just annoys the shit out of me.
2: I was going to say, everybody knows secretly Nickelback is your favorite band.
0: Well, they're no Juice Newton.
2: Second favorite band.
0: <laughs> yeah. let's, let, let's not go crazy here.
2: That's a Chris Sinzak T-shirt right there. Nickelback. They're no Juice Newton. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'll I'll get on that along with the uh, custom headbands people are asking for from you.
2: Oh, yeah. Autographed.
0: (laughs) Do you want to do your segment now, or should we keep going on
2: Sure. I can do my segment now. Let's see. How do we do this? It's all changed up. Okay. That's right. Time for the Camaro segment. Now, as we learned last week, We can't talk about every release that's celebrating any kind of anniversary. So at the suggestion of my brilliant co-host and several brilliant listeners, we're going to break it down to special anniversaries. I'm talking like 5, 10, 15, 50, 46. No, not 46. 45 maybe. (laughs) And we're going to count these down. So for album anniversaries Let's start out with a big 10-year anniversary. We talked about it on the last GeekWire because they're coming out with the 10th anniversary disc. Talking about the Guar album Battle Maximus. Came out in 2013, the 10-year anniversary today. Well, pretty close to today. This was their last album with Odorous Eurungus, aka Dave Brocky. And man, honestly, I didn't think Guar was gonna go on after that.
0: Yeah. I don't think most people did, but I think we all thought it was over because he was the face of the group.
2: Yeah, totally. And the most, as far as like songwriting and everything, and been the longest member for so long, and you know, he was like, he was Guar to a point, you know, a lot of talented people around him over the years, but... Man, that's that one still hurts because I'm a huge Guar fan. I love that band, and I've loved them for a long, long time. I love that they're like kiss on steroids when you look at them. They grabbed my attention when I was a young teenager, and I was like, wow, look at these guys. And then the music's good, and the things they sing about are crazy. But this Battle Maximus was a little more serious, just a straight-up metal album. And it was damn good. And I'm glad that Guar carried on because I love the stuff they're doing now. But at the time, man, I sure didn't think they would. Yeah, <clears throat> me neither. All right. So that's a 10-year anniversary right there for Guar. Let's talk about 15-year anniversaries. Now, this one I'm not real familiar with, but it is the 15-year anniversary. The Metal Church album, The Present Wasteland, came out in 2008. I don't know how much I was keeping up with Metal Church back then. Apparently not enough. Um, Buck Cherry, the album Black Butterfly, celebrating its 15-year anniversary. That's their fourth studio album. Still pretty popular. Went to number eight in the United States. (laughs) You're going to love this, 15-year anniversary. The singles were released on MySpace.
0: (laughs) Wow, that takes you back.
2: Yeah, big shout-out to MySpace. I kind of missed that. That was my favorite one over the years. All right, also celebrating a 15-year anniversary. I know you're not a big fan of this one. I think there's a couple of good songs on it, but overall, not great. The album's called The Cosmos Rocks. It was Queen when they teamed up with Paul Rogers. It was really just three of them. It was Brian May, Roger Taylor, and Paul Rogers doing it. But I don't know. You would think, like, you got Queen, who musicianly are awesome. You know, of course, Freddie Mercury, long gone out of the equation at this point. You got Paul Rogers, who is also equally awesome. You put them together, how can you lose? But somehow, this album don't quite do it for me.
0: Nah, I can't stand that album.
2: Here's a big one: celebrating a 15 year anniversary came out on the 12th back in 2008. This is their ninth studio album. To me, at the time. This was a huge comeback for Metallica with Death Magnetic.
0: I remember buying it on release day and loving it.
2: Me too. Me too. And you think about like 2008, how many people are running out on release day to get stuff. But man, for that one, I sure did. Yeah. All right. Let's look at some 20-year anniversaries. Got a few here. See, even though we've cut this way back, there's still quite a few to talk about. Celebrating a 20 year anniversary, the 13th full-length studio album from Iron Maiden, Dance of Death. The album that nobody ever talks about.
0: Didn't like it and really don't like the, uh, the cover looks awful. <laughs> yeah,
2: this is consistently voted the worst album cover by fans of Iron Maiden.
0: It looks like something Ace Fraley would have done on his computer back in, like, 1993.
2: (laughs) You say it like that, that's funny, because it's true. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Here's another one. Their 17th studio album, the very first without John Lord. Talk about weird album covers. Deep Purple with the album Bananas.
0: (laughs) They had a lot of terrible album covers.
2: Yeah. This has got to be the worst. It, you would never look at this and go, oh, wow, Deep Purple. <laughs> it's like a couple of dudes sitting on a banana truck with a whole bunch of bananas around them. It's like, what is this? You'd never know. few good songs on that one, though, kind of worth checking out, I think, especially if you're a fan of Deep Purple. On the same day, the very same day, also celebrating a 20-year anniversary with their 14th full-length studio album, ZZ Top with Mescalero. You familiar with that one?
0: Not off the top of my head, and I I love a lot of their stuff.
2: This one's kind of an in-between album. Didn't get a whole lot of love when it first came out, but I think listening back to it recently, I thought it was pretty good. There's a handful of really good songs on it. Not their best, but I mean, celebrating an anniversary, you got to talk about ZZ Top. Celebrating a 20-year anniversary, you wouldn't normally put these in the same sentence with ZZ Top, Deep Purple, and Iron Maiden, but the second full-length studio album from a perfect circle was called The 13th Step. That stuff was pretty popular back then. What I found interesting about this one is that the lyrics were written by Maynard James Keenan while he was actually on tour with Tool, and then, you know, sending them back, and then they put the album together.
0: Hmm. I got into some of their stuff, but then never as much as I did Tool.
2: No. And Perfect Circle is kind of like Tool in the way that, like, if there's a 10-song album, four or five of them songs are going to be pretty cool. But then the rest of it's all weird and artsy. Yeah. Here's a band, pretty divisive when they came out. Their debut album, celebrating a 20-year anniversary. It's The Darkness with permission to land. Of course, it's known for the song, I Believe in a Thing Called Love. Yeah, the video was on MTV back when that was still a thing 20 years ago. How did you feel about the darkness when you first saw him?
0: Well, I mean, it took a while to get into Justin's vocals, of course. I mean, that was that that was the thing that turned most people off of them. And, of course, the video for I Believe in a Thing Called Love is very campy, um, but I don't think people knew how to take them at first. A lot of people thought they were just a novelty act, but as I got it, I had to give it took a, took a couple records for me to fully buy in. But I love that record.
2: Yeah, in retrospect, I go back to it and I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Like I was torn on this because part of me goes, "This riff is amazing." Like the song, the musicianship of it is amazing, but then, like you said, the video. And the vocals almost make it feel like it's a joke. And you're talking about 2003. Bands like that weren't really what you'd consider cool anymore by that point. I guess it was starting to turn around a little bit. But, yeah, because it had to have been turning around a little bit or that stuff would have never been on MTV. It seemed like they were making fun of the stuff I liked. And I was really kind of resistant to it at first. And then same as you, a few more albums down the line, somebody says to me, oh, man, you got to check out this new album by The Darkness. And I go, oh, man, fuck those guys. (laughs) But then I listen to it and go, damn, this is really good. And then it makes me go back and re-listen to that first album with a different perception to it and go, you know what? I was wrong to have written this off. It's actually pretty damn good.
0: Yeah, they just re-released it, too, for the anniversary
2: that's pretty cool got any bonus tracks or anything on it i
0: I think it does i haven't had a chance to really look into it yet but i'm just hoping like hell they'll come tour nashville and play nashville
2: yeah nice yeah i like that band quite a bit now and i actually own most of their stuff let's see also celebrating a 20-year anniversary i'll be interested to know what you think of this one alice cooper the eyes of alice cooper
0: great record
2: pretty good that one's kind of back to hard rock and form i think that's the one right is that the one that's got uh eric dover on it
0: i can't remember as far as like personnel but i remember i like that one quite a that's and in the amongst the fan circles that's that's considered like the last great one he put out
2: yeah nice um go to the resident limp biscuit fan here as well that's you chris (laughs) 20 year anniversary for results may vary
0: yeah, that one's not so great it's got a couple good moments but it not near it, the first two records is all you need with them i think well maybe the third one
2: yeah is that the one that's got the cover of the who song on it behind blue eyes on results may vary yeah
0: yeah that is around that time i think I, although if i'm wrong to he's gonna blow up my phone i can't remember off the top of my head which album it came. i think it was on that one but I, i'm probably wrong
2: I guess whenever we talk about Limp Biscuit, we really ought to include Toomey for the segment.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've seen them live twice, and, and I love those first three records, but I'm not like an expert by any means. Yeah, okay. Well,
2: there's that. <laughs> Let's go back 25 years. Here's something I do feel like I'm a little bit of an expert on. Man, love this album. It's their third full-length studio album. I'm talking about Local H, Pack Up the Cats. The very last album with Joe Daniels on drums. This one produced by Roy Thomas Baker. Mm. One of my all-time favorites. Yeah, it's fucking killer.
0: I didn't know they worked with Roy Thomas Baker.
2: Yep, it's a good one, man. Check that one out. Local H, pack up the cats. Also celebrating a 25-year anniversary, the album Celebrity Skin by Hole. This is Courtney Love and Hole's third studio album. I remember the title track and going, you know what? That's pretty cool, Celebrity Skin. I kind of like that. And then hearing the rest of the album going, oh, man, this sucks. There's only one good song on here.
0: (laughs) And I agree, and I had to live through hell because the girl I was dating at the time would play that fucking album repeatedly. I had to listen to it all the time.
2: That's terrible, man. I hate that for you. That's traumatic. It sucked. Sorry to bring that up. (laughs) That's all right. I always look at it as the introduction to Melissa Oftermar, who I'm a huge fan of. Yeah, she went on and played with the Smash Pumpkins for a little while. Did some solo stuff that I dig a lot, so I'm grateful for that. Also celebrating a 25-year anniversary, the LA Guns EP Wasted. That was the only one with Ralph, who would go on to form Steel Panther.
0: I don't know that I've ever heard that record.
2: You know what? I found it. This is kind of a funny story. I didn't have that one on CD, which I think I have every L.A. Guns on CD, but I didn't have that one. And I went to a little record show that was at the Nashville Palace where we had and Pod 2. And I walk in, and I'm walking around, you know, it's a lot of LPs, a lot of LPs, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not in LPs. And I come around the table, and the dude's got a bunch of LPs, and he's got this CD. They had a pretty good price tag on it, too, and I was like, Wow. That's pretty cool, you know, but at the time, I only had so much cash on me, and I was like, you know what, that's awesome, man, kind of priced high, but I get it. I understand why. Let me walk around, and, you know, maybe I'll come back, and I walk around, and there's not another single CD in that entire music show, (laughs) and so I come back around to him, and it's like, hey, this is the only CD on sale here today, so here's 50 bucks, give me it. And I've never seen it anywhere since. But it's got a remade version of Ballad of Jane. I think it's acoustic with Ralph singing on it. And it's got a cover of Cold Gin by Kiss Hmm. on it as well. And some other songs that are pretty good. And I remember this came out because this is around the time of the, I want to say, Glam Slam Metal Jam. I think that's what it was called. And L.A. Guns was out on tour, and they had Ralph as their singer at that time, so I think they wanted something that they could take out with them and sell at the merch booths. So I think that was the reason for that EP, but hmm. pretty good songs on it. I like that one.
0: Does it stack up better than the uh, Chris Van Dahl version?
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. But I kind of like that, too, but it's they should have called that something else.
0: Yeah, that, it sounds nothing like L.A. Guns.
2: I mean, well, no. Technically, they did call it something else because it was the L.A. Guns.
0: <laughs> That's like Gallagher too.
2: Yeah. Let's see. Also celebrating a 25 year anniversary. Man, this is a good one too. Probably, in my opinion, his best album. It's his third full length studio album. Talking about a man who was on top of the world in 1998 when this came out. Marilyn Manson, Mechanical Animals.
0: I did buy that on release day.
2: Oh, yeah, me too. Do you think it's his best? Do you think it's the best album he ever did?
0: Maybe. Uh, No, I think Antichrist Superstar is better.
2: Man, they're both pretty good. It's hard for a guy like that to peak so hard with two kick-ass albums back-to-back. and I don't know, he has good stuff later on, but not for a while.
0: Especially that one a couple of years ago that I loved and you hated.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's been a while since Marilyn Manson has come up with anything real good.
0: That's the one he did with Shooter Jennings.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> weird. Let's see. Also celebrating a 25-year anniversary, this classic, The Reunited Kiss, returns the anniversary on the 22nd with Psycho Circus. Yay. Hooray. <laughs> hey, at the time, it was pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, till you till you listen to it.
2: I don't know. I still think there's some good songs on it.
0: Well, the stuff I love, I love, but that's like three songs.
2: Yeah, there's some junky stuff on there, too. Not Kiss Is Best by any means, but at the time, man, that was like the most exciting thing in the world, like yeah. before you ever had a chance to hear it at that time, like two years earlier, Kiss had just reunited, you know, and then now you're getting a new Kiss album. And it was, man, those were mind blowing times, man. I'm so happy that I lived in the time that I live in for moments like that.
0: Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. The era was magical. You know, that was the, the tour and then the hype for that. And then, the uh, Halloween night where they were all over Fox on all the shows, and then they showed some of the sh- the concert. That was great.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. So that wraps up the 25-year anniversaries. Let's check out some 30-year anniversaries. The third and final album from Nirvana in utero, celebrating a 30-year anniversary.
0: Eh.
2: There's some good stuff on there.
0: I just never got into them.
2: Not a huge Nirvana fan, but one thing you can't deny about that band is that Kurt Cobain could really, really had a knack for coming up with some damn catchy guitar hooks.
0: No, I think he was talented and good songwriter. I think they were good for what they were, but I don't know. There's so many other bands from that era that I liked better, but... And I'm not even going to pretend to be cool and say, yeah, but I liked him when Bleach was out. I'm not even going to be that guy.
2: I did like him when Bleach was out. I had the cassette tape.
0: Yeah, but you're you're being genuine. There's a lot of people that really don't like Nirvana, but they're like, yeah, but I liked Bleach. And it's like, no, you didn't.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's the kind of thing that's easy to say in retrospect. I found it at a Best Buy on cassette tape, had no idea what it was. I wasn't even that into it. Like, I remember that day I bought Jackal and Nirvana, and I didn't even know what Nirvana was. It just sounded cool. It wasn't Jackal, (laughs) which I liked a lot better at the time. (laughs) You
0: put on bleach, and you're like, there's no chainsaws in any of these
2: songs. (laughs) Exactly. What the hell? I thought it was 1993. Here's one that came out in 93 that I was excited about. Got it when it was pretty new. And still enjoy it to this day, the debut album, A Fight, featuring Rob Halford. His first stuff since leaving Judas Priest and the album's War
1: of Words.
0: Yeah, the, my, my friend Wes, who was my drummer, he was obsessed with that record, so we listened to it a lot. And it was a good, good album to listen to on the way to band practice. And also features the guitar work of Russ Parrish, who's better known as Satchel from Steel Panther.
2: Oh, nice. Yep. Man, yeah, that's a guitar album through and through. Heavy.
0: Yeah, great riffs on that one.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you hold up fight versus what Judas Priest was doing with Ripper Owens, man, I got to give it to fight.
0: Mm -hmm, Me too.
2: Hmm, Wild times. Here's one pretty iconic soundtrack for the movie Judgment Night celebrating a 30-year anniversary. That was the album where they take metal bands and team them up with rappers. So you'd get like Slayer with Ice-T and Pearl Jam with Cypress Hill and Faith No More with the Booyah Tribe.
0: Yeah. I remember that got played a lot around our group of friends. And that was an era where soundtracks were a big deal to people.
2: Yeah, that was a good one. That might be one of the better soundtracks ever because... Think about how many rock fans and metal fans probably got introduced to rap the first time by listening to that. Mm -hmm. To me, I was just like, this is the best rap music I've ever heard. (laughs) Booyah Tribe is going to want to join Faith No More all the time, but we have to say no.
0: It all started with Run DMC and Aerosmith and then Anthrax and Public Enemy. Yeah. Run DMC is
2: on this, too. I forget who they... I forget who they're teamed up with, but they're on there too. Probably somebody like Mud Honey or something like that. <laughs> All right, so let's jump back five more years. 35-year anniversary for the fourth full-length studio album. Second time they're getting mentioned on this list. Apparently, they like releasing albums in September. It's so the first full one with Jason Newstead on bass. Talking about Metallica and Justice for All. 35 years old. Wow. I feel the gray hairs lifting on my neck. Yeah. They're standing up when I think about it. Mm. Also celebrating a 35-year anniversary, King Diamond's third solo album after leaving Merciful Fate, a concept album called Them. It's a nice little story about King Diamond, the time he killed his grandma. (laughs) Yeah. It's true. It's true. (laughs) Also celebrating a 35-year anniversary, one of my all-time favorite albums, the third full-length from Suicidal Tendencies, How Will I Laugh Tomorrow If I Can't Even Smile Today. I had that on LP when I was a teenager. I wore it out, man. That was, man, when I heard that, and I think I got it from a yard sale or something, or maybe I had to get it off my Uncle Bruce, or I don't know, like. At that time, when I'm listening to Motley Crue and Poison and Def Leppard and bands like that, I just don't see suicidal as being something I would have been like, oh, this seems cool. By looking at the album cover, even reading the name, you know, I, don't, I think I would have been turned off by the name at that point. But for some reason, I got it and listened to it and fell in love with it. And it's like, man, this is so much different than anything else I'm listening to, but it's amazing it's one of my favorite albums i recommend it to anybody who wants to rock
0: and you don't see their uh and as far as vinyl goes you don't see their stuff out there very often
2: no uh uh-uh it's around that time i mean 88 they were out there but yeah
0: but i think people that own own, they're like thin lizzy the people that own a a suicidal album don't want to sell it
2: that's a good point that's a real good point all right, celebrating a 35 year anniversary also of their fourth. Well, this is well, this is interesting. So these three have all released their fourth studio album on the same day 35 years ago. Huh? All right. This is a trip, okay? So we're going back to 1988. We're going back to September 19th of that year. On that day, you get Anthrax, State of Euphoria, their fourth studio album. You get Bon Jovi, New Jersey, their fourth studio album, and Kicks Blow My Fuse, coincidentally, their fourth studio album, all on the same day, thirty-five years ago. Huh?
0: Well, I know that where I, that I know where I was on September nineteenth, nineteen eighty-eight.
2: You were in your local CD store.
0: And you know which which one of those three albums do you think I bought on release day?
2: You bought Bon Jovi. You're
0: damn right.
2: (laughs) Man. (laughs) But I'll give this to you. That was back when Bon Jovi still was a little bit cool. I mean what songs are on that one of you and it's been so long I mean bad medicine right bad
0: medicine lay your hands on me lay your hands on me is kind of a cool song some I of the think. heavy No, I hate, I, I hate to say it. I'm not gonna say heavier but the non-singles like uh, was it a uh, homebound train it's pretty good um wild as the winds kind of cheesy there's actually a lot of cheesy stuff on there
2: I was reading about this. I mean, imagine the situation those guys are in. They just released Slippery When Wet and became the biggest band in the world, like seemingly overnight, you know, with their debut album. And now it's like, oh shit, what are we gonna do now?
0: Yeah, and they they still had a ton of hits on that one too, but although I didn't think it was nearly as good as Slippery When Wet.
2: I don't think it's as good as Blow My
0: Fuse by Kicks. Oh, now in retrospect? No. Yeah. But I was really into Bon Jovi at the time. Yeah. Or State of Euphoria. I think last time we talked
2: about Anthrax, I might have got switched up in my head because I was thinking State of Euphoria is the one that when I was a kid, like I think that was my favorite Anthrax album that I knew of. But now... I think State of Euphoria is one of the weaker Anthrax albums. There's a handful of good songs on there, but by Anthrax standards, far from their best.
0: And it was around that, I didn't buy it on release day, but I did see the video for Antisocial on Headbangers Ball, and that's what got me to go out and buy that album.
2: Yeah? That's a pretty cool song. When I was a kid, that blew me away. I was like, oh, yeah, I want to tear shit up when I listen to this.
0: And then the, in the video, the the knot man, the mask comes off, and it's Johnny Z. Yeah,
2: which I had no idea who that was at the time.
0: Oh, I didn't either. I was just like, who's that dude?
2: Uh-huh. All right. Also celebrating a 35-year anniversary. If I don't have it mixed up, this don't seem right. It says this was released the next day, but it didn't really work like that back then, did it? No, it
0: was always Tuesdays.
2: So then I bet you this one was released on the very same day, too, then, as all of those. The debut album from the Bullet Boys. Mm. I was a fan of that one pretty early on.
0: Yeah, I was, too.
2: I had a friend that was way into the Bullet Boys. And so I was like, and I thought he was a cool dude. So that made me want to check him out. And I really liked that first one. That was one I owned, too.
0: I got it, but it was like a year later. I, I, I never got big into them. I, I appreciate it more now than I did then. But yeah, I mean, obviously, Smooth Up In You was a big, big deal at the time. Yeah.
2: All right. So I've got two here that'll be celebrating or recently have celebrated 40 year anniversaries. We already got to talk about KISS. Let's talk about them a little more. Celebrating. Forty year anniversary on the twenty second of "Lick It Up." Forty years, man.
0: Well, I, this was one I had to get after. I got. I guess I bought it four or five years later, but because I wasn't, I did, I really didn't know anything about Kiss at that. I knew a little bit about them, but I I wasn't following them then.
2: Yeah, for me, it was like I wasn't really. Man, people don't. I guess young people don't understand what it was like back then because you didn't have the instant information that you have today. Like, one day I like Kiss, but I'm young, and I don't think about, like, when did this album come out and which one came out first and, you know, all the things that we, you know, just take for granted today. I just listened to the music and looked at the album covers and never thought nothing of it. And then it was years later when i saw animalize my uncle bruce had gotten animalized when it was brand new and i he's like you want to hear the new kiss record i'm like yeah and i'm sitting there and i flip it over and i look at it and i go what you know it was like a total shock because i didn't know nothing and then it's like wait a minute like where's their makeup and who the hell are these guys and then it was like, oh, and then he takes me and shows me his other records, and I see Asylum and Lick It Up, and I go, wait a minute, you know, what is going on here? And then when my Uncle Bruce gave me his Kiss records, that's when I actually would sit and listen to Lick It Up and be torn about it. Because it's like, for one, they're not wearing makeup anymore.
0: And that sucks. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think anyone was really jazzed about it.
2: Yeah, and then two, you know, and this is all, the timeline is all screwed up because I didn't, I found out about this all too late. And then it's like, well, it don't have Ace Frehley either, you know, and I don't like that. But, man, when you listen to this album, it really doesn't matter because on its own, regardless of all that, it's amazing.
0: No, it's one of their best records.
2: And it is 40 years old. You know who else? Is celebrating the 40th anniversary of one of their albums. This one, I'm sure you hold in nearly as high regard as you do "Lick It Up" by Kiss.
0: I already know which one you're gonna say.
2: Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah, you tell them being a smartass, huh? <laughs> oh
0: no! Oh, you you know, if you're being a smartass, then I don't know what you're gonna say.
2: Oh, okay. All right. No, this is would be their technically their 11th studio album, the only one. Featuring Ian Gillen on vocals. Yeah, you know it. I'm talking about Black Sabbath, Born Again. 40-year anniversary came out last week on the 12th.
0: And 40 years later, still
1: hate it.
2: Yeah, I don't know, man. I was kind of looking at it again after seeing this and going, you know, why does Chris hate this album so bad? I mean, I get it. You're not a fan of Ian Gillen. I know that for a fact because you don't even like the stuff he did with Deep Purple, which to me is insane.
0: I like some. not. I didn't say I hate all of it.
2: Yeah. I know you're not a fan of his vocal style, though.
0: No, that's true.
2: I don't know. I mean, to go from Ozzy to Dio, and then like you go to Ian Gillen for this one, but it's still Sabbath. And what I read on this was like, Ian Gillen didn't even want to do it. But Dio and Vinny are gone. So they get Bill to come back and they talk Ian Gillen into it. And they go into this project believing it's going to be called something catchy like Iommi, Butler Ward Gillen. <laughs> That's catchy. And then Barden, who's managing them now because Sharon split with Ozzy, says, no, uh-uh. It's going to be called Black Sabbath. And so it's released as Black Sabbath. You would think that, you know, not only would Black Sabbath fans love it, but then so would Deep Purple fans. But I think a lot of Black Sabbath fans don't like it, and a lot of Deep Purple fans also don't like it. Me personally, it's all right. I mean, it's not a perfect album. But there's a handful of really good ones on there.
0: I think there's some germs of good ideas for songs, but like this, the songs in general just don't do anything for me. The production is horrific. I mean, it sounds like it was produced by a bunch of dudes freaked out on cocaine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what a coincidence! Because that's exactly what it
0: was. <laughs> that's what it I think it was just an excuse to get fucked up in the studio. You know, I just yeah. I don't know. It's. Dif- I don't, I'm not trying to slam it to be a dick. I just genuinely don't like it.
2: I don't know, man. Digital Bitch is a pretty awesome song.
0: I hate that song especially. Really? Yeah, I think it's terrible. Oh,
2: man. Huh. Maybe we ought to do a discussion on this one.
0: We can. I'm just going to trash it, though. That
2: <laughs> <laughs> probably ain't going to change your mind. All right. Well, then, shit. Let's just jump back. 45 years ago this one this whole thing is very KISS centric today which I'm okay with because on the 18th we'll be celebrating or we would have celebrated or we should have celebrated or maybe we did the 45th anniversary of the KISS solo albums released back in 1978 pretty historic thing right there no other band has ever done it before I don't know that
0: any band has ever done it since. Well, the Melvins did it, and they ripped off the design. Is that true? Yeah, you haven't seen those? I've seen the
2: picture of the one with the, what's his name?
0: Uh, Buzz.
2: Buzz. Yeah. I've seen the one with him, but I didn't know each member did their own album. Now I,
0: now, I don't know for sure it's a solo album by each member. I just remember the four covers, so it could be the same album with four different covers.
2: I think it might be something like that cuz I don't think cuz I thought did Green Day do that?
0: Uh yeah, actually they did.
2: But were those actual solo albums?
0: I believe they were actually.
2: Yeah, I don't know enough about it to say. So then let's say this. Nobody did it before, and nobody's done it better since.
0: Or nobody else was crazy enough to do it again. No
2: other band on that level has four members that are equally as popular as the band itself.
0: Mm, The Beatles.
2: Besides the Beatles. They could have done it. Yeah. They could have released solo albums and then came back together and just imploded anyway just like Kiss 45 years ago that happened so did this one released on the 22nd back in 1978 their fourth studio album not their best studio album but it's still got some pretty damn good songs on it one of Chris's favorite bands it's become one of my favorite bands the Ramones Road to Ruin that's a great one I mean, it's got, I just want to have something to do on it, which is an all-time great. It's got, I I want to be sedated on it, which is an all-time great. The rest is all just kind of okay.
0: Mm. I like it a lot.
2: All right, and then we got one final one here today, celebrating a 50-year anniversary. And for a 50-year anniversary, that means we got to go all the way back to 1973. This was their third full length studio album still kind of finding themselves but on the verge of the transition with this one i'm talking about thin lizzy and the album vagabonds of the western world they were just on the precipice of really figuring out who they were weren't they
0: yeah that between that one and then nightlife that came after it or they were kind of the bridge between the folky stuff into the twin guitar thing
2: yeah, because the song that stands out to me the most on this album, which is a classic Thin Lizzy song that I just love, it's called "The Rocker." Yeah, it doesn't really fit with the rest of the album, but it would definitely fit on later albums.
0: Yeah, that's kind of Phil kind of identifying himself for the first time with who he became.
2: I love that one.
0: Yeah, that is a that is a fun song. And I, I love the album cover art for that one.
2: Yeah, that's one of the coolest looking album covers of all time and easily probably the best Thin Lizzy album cover.
0: Oh, and also, if you like Thin Lizzy's album covers, um, Jim Fitzpatrick, who did all of their covers, he's doing Facebook posts and doing long stories about like the making of the album covers and stories from behind the scenes. It's really interesting.
2: That's pretty cool. So if you want to celebrate some memories and some anniversaries, bust out that old Thin Lizzy, the solo albums, the Ramones, talk about suicidal tendencies. I mean, you got the whole list here today. Even breaking it down to the big anniversaries, the important ones, we still get quite a few. But this is the way we'll do it for a little while. You guys like it better than birthdays? Because this is what you got now. All right. So then we can talk about memories got to go to rock star death days sadly got a few of them here this time start out with this very interesting are you familiar with
0: jeff fenholt he was the guy that was in sabbath for a little while then wound up being like a born-again christian
2: it's a wild story he was the actor that played jesus christ superstar that's right yeah and then around the time of the black sabbath album we were just talking about By the end of that, which was a weird, really weird time for Black Sabbath, because now Ian Gillen's out of there, and Bill Ward says, why the hell did I come back? It's one crazy thing about that album, Born Again. When Bill Ward comes back, it's because he left the band to sober up, right? Yeah. He comes back, he's sober, he's kicked it, he's doing good, real healthy, healthier than ever. By the time he's done with Black Sabbath again, He's back in the bottle big time. <laughs> Not
0: a surprise.
2: Born Again drove him to it. And then Geezer Butler quits the band for the first time. So now Black Sabbath is total disarray. And Don Arden had actually hired this guy. Jeff Fenholt said, i seen you in that Jesus Christ superstar. I think you'd be perfect for Black Sabbath. And hires him. And then like he shows up is like, hey, I'm I'm in Black Sabbath now. And Tony Iommi's like, what? Okay, well, I got this other guy, but he's gonna go join a band with Mark St. John eventually, but he's gone and now you're coming in and this don't last. And man, he's that guy, this Jeff Fenhold he passed away back in twenty nineteen at the age of sixty-eight. A little young for passing away, but man, that guy lived a full life. He did a lot of different stuff. I don't know if there's a book or a documentary about this guy,
0: but there probably should be, because his story is wild. I'm Facebook friends with his daughter. She lives here in Nashville. Oh wow! And um, I can't remember how I know her. some some friend of a friend of a thing in the music industry. But uh, she's like a she's a singer or an actress or something. But I've never really talked to her. But I just I know that that's his daughter.
2: Wow. Small world, yeah, yep. Jeff Benhold. All right, then, back in 2019, just a couple of days later, at the age of 70, this guy's pretty legendary. Not necessarily one of my favorites, but somebody I always figured, like, maybe I should go back and give his music more of a shot. And I'm talking about Eddie Money.
0: Mm.
2: It's another one of those guys that I think MTV wrecked for me because my first introduction to Eddie Money was... uh that Be My Little Baby song.
0: <laughs> Take Me Home Tonight.
2: Take Me Home Tonight. And so I didn't like that. And then so I never really had nothing to do with Eddie Money. But then Ace Fraley covered I Want to Go Back. Mm-hmm. And I go, man, that's a really good song. <laughs> the original's good, too. It's like when Ace Fraley does, it's amazing. So, But I think at its core, damn, that's a really good song. Maybe I should give Eddie Money more of a chance. So, maybe I will. Lost him in 2019 at the age of 70 to throat cancer. Mm. Back in 2004, at the age of 55, he was an original. Stuck around pretty much to the end. We just were talking about their album, Road to Ruin. Can't talk about that without the amazing guitar playing. And talk about being just a riff master and a guy that come up with hooks that'll grab you. The one and only Johnny Ramone. That
0: was, a, that was a sad one. Like was what Richie and um CJ and Marky is all that's left.
2: Yeah. Man. That's too bad. Because that's a band now that everybody looks back and says, Oh man, they were so amazing. But at the time, you know, they struggled pretty much their entire career. Passed away way too young at the age of fifty-five. Also cancer.
0: If I ever get to go back to Hollywood again, I want to go to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. There's a big uh, statue of him there.
2: Yeah, nice. Is that where he's buried
0: at? Yeah, and uh, Eddie Vedder donated the money to to put the statue there.
2: Well, that's pretty cool. I like that.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. All right. Back in 2008, we lost legendary Pink Floyd keyboardist Richard Wright at the age of 65. Fuck. Also cancer. Are we all just going to die of some kind of cancer someday? Feels is that, that way. Just doesn't. what just what it comes down to nowadays? Back in 2019, at the age of 75, this is a man who lived a full life. He was the lead vocalist and guitarist of the Cars. Talking about Rick Ocasek.
0: Never really got into them.
2: No, I've kind of learned to become a, car, a fan of the Cars because... They're one of those bands, like, again, they got an album. It's got 10 songs on it. Four songs are going to be pretty good. Two songs are going to be freaking amazing. That's kind of how the cars work for me. I love those two songs. Passed away in 2019 at the age of 75. He had heart disease.
1: Mm.
2: <sighs> I feel bad for all these guys dying old man things. Let's, let's go on a run. Some people that died way too young. Back in 1977, this guy had what they might call an unrational fear of dying in a car accident. How ironic it is that in 1977, he died in a car accident at the age of 29. Best known as the man behind T-Rex, Mark Bolin.
0: That was a sad one.
2: Yeah, because that's one of them guys, like, he passed away in 77, but, like, the change in music was right around the corner. I would see him as somebody that would have embraced the Sunset Strip style of rock and probably came out with some damn good albums.
0: He probably would have because he was already doing trend hopping right before he died. He was trying to get into the whole punk scene for a little while.
2: Boy, yeah, Mark Boland, That guy was a trip.
0: Well, I mean, he influenced a lot of the Sunset Strip guys.
2: Oh, for sure. Him, Hanoi Rocks, bands like that. Yeah. Let's see. Here's a big one. A big, big one. Everybody's going to be talking about this on the 18th. It's been a while. Back in 1970, a member of the 27 Club, almost unanimously considered the father of, Of hard rock guitar. The one and only Jimi Hendrix. Yep. From what I read, I guess kind of a mix of sleeping pills and wine, maybe?
0: Yeah, just the bad cocktail of stuff and the wrong mix.
2: That's a shame. And that's another one I like to imagine. Like, What would Jimi Hendrix have done through the 70s? Probably a lot of cool stuff. But even more interesting, what would he have been doing in the 80s? Oh, like, there's
0: no telling. I mean, I mean he, he's, he was always searching for stuff, so he would have probably played around with all kinds of different styles. Boy, that's
2: a big what if. What if Jimi Hendrix would have lived? What he'd have gone on to do? So wild. Here's another young one. Not quite as young as in their 20s, but still at the age of 46. It's a little young. be having a heart attack, but that's what happened to Rob Tyner, who was the vocalist of the MC5. Oh, yeah? You know, the guy kicking out the jams.
0: That's like the only song I know by them, though. (laughs) I don't think I've ever really tried listening to them. They
2: didn't have a lot of albums, I don't think, like two or three. And I've got the one that's got kick out the jams on it, which that's a great song. There's a couple other ones on there that are pretty cool. They're just straight up hard and Detroit band. Yeah. And they don't slide from what they are. But like I said, they didn't last long. But they had some cool stuff. And then finally, we'll wrap this one up. Just a few years ago, back in 2020, at the age of 73. Man, this guy was a legend. One of my favorites. Played drums for Uriah Heep for many, many years before joining up with Ozzy Osbourne to play on Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. One of the best, maybe most unsung, awesome drummers of all time. I'm talking about Lee Kerslake.
0: Yeah, that's another one where I wish we had gotten a chance to interview him before he passed.
2: Yeah, there's so many people, and you don't think, you know, got to get on the case with some of these people. But he would have been a great guy to talk to. Imagine the albums Unleashed we could have done with him. Yeah, He had prostate cancer and a bunch of other old timer issues. One cool thing was that, like, he'd been diagnosed, you know, and he knew his time was limited. And he'd reached out and he said one thing that would mean a lot to him before he died was to actually have platinum awards that were awarded to Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. And before he passed away, Ozzy Osbourne made that happen for him.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really classy on his part.
2: Very cool. Very cool. And Lee Krish Slake, he did some solo stuff. That last thing he came out with, boy, it wasn't rocking.
0: What was it? Did he do a solo record?
2: Yeah, it was, but it was very folk rock. I think he did a few solo records over the years, but it was very folky. But again, he was 73 years old and not in great health, so he was doing what he could. But man, that's somebody you want to remember. I mean, listen to the drums on Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. And tell me that isn't some otherworldly stuff going on there?
0: Well, oh, just the just the track for uh, Over the Mountain Alone.
2: Right, exactly. It's incredible playing. So good. So those are the people you want to remember this week because they are no longer with us. And as long as we listen to the music and keep talking about them, they stay alive in our hearts. So. Now is the time to take a look into the future, and the future is new albums coming our way or a handful of these first ones that have just recently come out. We'll start with these three right here. They all came out on the 8th. I don't know how excited anybody is about any of these, but they are rockers and deserve to be mentioned. George Lynch, can you believe it? He's got a new album coming out. How many this week? Uh, I don't know, but I know we expect at least one more before the end of the year. Jeez. And we just had the, the thing with Pilsen come out not too long ago. So, yeah, George Lynch, he's burning them candles. This one's called Guitars at the End of the World. It's an instrumental album. No vocals on this one. Features Kirky B on drums and Tony Franklin on bass. So, musically, it's mm. going to be awesome. Instrumentally. It's going to be that. Guitars at the End of the World came out on the 8th. On the same day, hey, this band's in the news right now. It's Puddle of Mud. They're back. Did you know it? Back with their sixth studio album. It's called Ubiquitous. Ubiquitous? Yeah. Yeah. And it's out on Pavement Entertainment. That guy, he's a little nutty. Going through some stuff right now where he's not showing up at shows and things, but the album's out.
0: Are people really buying tickets to see them perform, or are they just hoping that there's a train wreck?
2: I mean, they got a new album out. They had fans, you know. Uh, That band, they
0: had the song. The song, uh, the sad song. Well, they had a... Three hits. They oh, that yeah. one you're talking about blurry and they had yeah. control, which was their first hit. Oh yeah. Which has the stupid I like the way you smack my ass. Oh yeah. <laughs>
2: and uh, But that still gets played on like oh, modern sure? rock radio all the time.
0: And then uh She Hates Me. That was another hit.
2: Oh yeah. That one don't get played as much, but the other two still two are still in regular rotation.
0: But the guy they that dude just can't get out of his own way.
2: But yeah, people still going to see them or trying to anyway. Here's another band that kind of fits that same description coming back with their 12th full-length studio album. It's Saliva. The album's called Revelation. Now, here's another band back in the day. They had some hits. Click, click, boom is the one I can think of. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, ran their course. But I think these bands kind of like enough's enough in a way where they were never superstars. But they were big enough and good enough to garner a strong following that have followed them throughout the whole years and keep them alive to this day. So, yeah, they might not be the biggest bands in the world, but they're still out there doing it. And if there weren't people buying it, there'd be no reason to do it. And Saliva, as a matter of fact, is currently on tour with Drowning Pool. So, you know what? Good on them to keeping it going. Why not? If you got people that love it and want to come see it, go do it. And I'm going to be checking out that, especially the saliva. I liked saliva when they were new, but I lost track of them somewhere along the way. But I'm going to give this one a listen because I'm just curious.
0: Now, do you know which version of saliva it is?
2: I assume that it's, what, the dude is that, what was his name, Josie Scott?
0: Yeah, Josie Scott it? has hit Josie Scott's saliva. So there's an LA gun situation with oh, saliva.
2: Ah, okay. I bet you this is the other one then. Cause I don't see any association with Josie on this, so wow, yeah, wow. New metal LA guns stuff going on. Yeah. Different versions. It's Jack Russell's saliva.
0: <laughs> that sounds disgusting. <laughs> That's awesome.
2: All right, here's some coming up in a few days to look forward to. Hey, we've been looking forward to this one since the last one, and this is the second one, properly titled CMFT2. Talking about Corey Taylor's new album. We've been talking about looking forward to this one for a while. That first one that came out was pretty damn good.
0: Surprisingly good.
2: It made your top ten albums of the year that year.
0: Yeah, I liked it a lot. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this one.
2: Corey Taylor is also currently on tour. If you want to see him, check out his dates. He might be coming somewhere near you. Here's what I'm excited about. Danko Jones on the very same day releases his 13th, well, their 13th studio album on AFM Records. It's called Electric Sounds. Always a fan of everything this, this band does because they're straight up hard rock. Great songwriters, great vocals, great musicianship. And it's fun, kick-ass rock and roll, so you got to love that. highly recommend some Danko Jones to you. Absolutely. And then here's another one. This is an old-school band from the 80s, late 80s anyway. I think this was one of those bands that when they came out, they kind of broke in the United States a little bit right at the wrong time with their debut album in 1989, I think it was like, omatic carpet ride or something like that. I'm talking about the Electric Boys. Are you familiar?
0: I'm familiar with them, and, and I've heard a few other things. I'm I don't not really well versed. They put out a they put out some yeah the, uh, a single or two already. Uh, yeah, it's it's good music. The sing the voice, uh, not so much.
2: No, well, it's Swedish funk rock, and so if you don't sound like. You'd be into Swedish funk rock, then Electric Boys are not for you. If that sounds like something that might tickle you a little bit, well, then you might want to check out their new album on the 15th. It's called Grand Explosivos, and it comes to you from Mighty Music, Electric Boys. I'd say they're back, but they never went anywhere. They've always been around. Also on the 15th, this name might sound familiar to you rock and rollers out there, Ronnie Romero. He's got his third solo album coming out. Ronnie Romero, sound familiar? He sang with Rainbow, Michael Shanker Group, and he sang on that last Elegant Weapons album with uh, the dude from Priest.
0: Yeah, Richie Faulkner.
2: That's some good stuff, and I didn't know who the singer was, but it's like, oh, it's this guy that's done all these other things. That's cool. New album's called Too Many Lies, Too Many Masters. It comes to you on the 15th. Via Frontiers Records. Check that one out. I got a good feeling about that one.
0: He's the uh, vocal George Lynch.
2: Yeah, man. I was looking at his discography, man. It's all over the place. He's done a lot of stuff. Those are only the ones that I've heard of. The rest, who knows? There might be a bunch of cool stuff that I don't even know about. Yep. Here's another one. I didn't know these guys were still putting out albums. I thought their lead singer went country but apparently not. Back with their eighth full-length studio album. These ones, you can actually say they're back, because it's been a minute. It's Stained.
0: Mm, okay.
2: <laughs> New album's called Confessions of the Fallen. You were never into Stained?
0: Not really. They were pretty good live when I saw them the one time.
2: What about that song Mud Shovel?
0: That's the the, that's the, the one that gets everyone in the door. Yep. <laughs> that, that likes heavy music, and then nothing else sounds like that song.
2: That's exactly my experiences with Stained. I heard that song. was like, holy shit. And I was like, wait a minute. This ain't what I thought it was.
0: Total bait and switch.
2: Yeah. Their new album's called Confessions of the Fallen. It comes to you from Alchemy Recordings. Out on the 15th, Stained currently on tour with Godsmack. That makes sense. Yeah. And then I got one more for you. If you need to cleanse your palate from all the puddle of mud and stained, on the 22nd, you got a new album from Cannibal Corpse.
0: They're coming here to Nashville soon.
2: Yeah? Well, if you like it extra heavy, you can enjoy their 16th studio album.
0: I can't wait to hear the title.
2: The title is Chaos Horrific.
0: Oh, that's that's a tamer title than a lot of their older albums.
2: Yeah. And it comes to you on Metal Blade Records. So there you go, that one on the twenty second. So there you have it. Your album anniversaries, your rock star death days, and albums to look forward to. As always, if I've missed anything, it's your fault for not letting me know. Have a nice day. This has been the Camaro segment.
0: All right. So just a couple more stories, and then we'll get out of here for this week. Uh, okay, well, I'll talk about this real quick. Um, another year has passed, and there has been another disastrous Blue Ridge Rock Festival that has taken place. Whew. If you followed my posts on Facebook, you already know what I'm talking about. But it was yet another shit show, and when you book 150 bands over yeah. four days, not a great idea, and it doesn't help when uh, shitty weather rolls in.
2: I remember when we first talked about this and it was like just the number of bands performing in the amount of time allotted seemed insane.
0: It's it's just such overkill and then it's all a, a way to get people in and they from there's a lot of rumors going around about it. so basically they got one day worth of the festival in with bands performing and then the rest of it got canceled. Dang. And the one day that bands performed was the day that the storm really hit. And then the next day then it was like, Well, there's a threat of bad weather, so we're gonna cancel it today. And then the day after that they're like, There's still a threat of bad weather, so we're gonna cancel the rest of the festival. And everybody's like, What the fuck?
2: But they're all out there camping in it.
0: Yeah. And um but then there's rumors going around that it was a big thing that was pretty obvious was they oversold it by like twenty thousand people. So oh, wow. That's a big rumor is that they couldn't fit all the people in there, so they, that's why. And they were shuttle lines were like 12 hours long. Campsites got destroyed.
2: 12 hours.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like there was people that spent more time in line to get to see the bands and seeing the bands.
2: Oh, shit. Oh, no. See, I can't. I can't do that stuff. That's why it's things like this that I read that ruin festivals for me. Like, I won't go to one like that.
0: In fairness, if you go to one of the Danny Wimmer festivals, like Sonic Temple or Louder Than Life, typically they're run a lot more professionally than this thing is. So it's like they're not not nearly as bad as this.
2: You're not camping at Louder Than Life though, either, are you? I don't go to any of these things personally. I mean, anybody? I mean, oh yeah, I
0: they yeah they have camping is there camp and camping stuff there too? too. Okay, all right.
2: See, I just I don't think so. I don't trust people enough to sleep in a tent with thousands of people around me.
0: No, and I, I mean, I did Lollapalooza twice when I was younger and and it was fun, but even then it was a bit of a hassle to deal with a festival. So this thing though, they had, they were like selling, if you wanted to buy a little personal pizza, it was like $70. If you wanted a beer, it was $20. What? Yeah. If you wanted it, one guy is like, I bought a burger, two waters and like a piece of candy or something. He's like, I paid a hundred dollars. And it's just that's messed up price gouging. And then the bands got fucked too. Like if you go to if you play a live nation venue, it's standard to to have a 20% cut you got to give for merch, which is bad on its own. Um, Blue Ridge was charging um, vendors or charging bands 40% of their merch cut.
2: Oh, yeah. I saw somebody posted that one of the bands. They're like, Hey, where's your merch? And they're like, We're not going to sell any because we're not going to make any money off this. Yeah they'd have been just as good just to give the shit away. Yeah.
0: And the reason the food and drink prices were so high, they were taking 50% of their sales. Dang. It's just it's just complete greed.
2: But in that situation when you're waiting in line for 12 hours, you're going to starve to death if you don't get something to eat, so you go, "Well, damn, I guess I'm going to pay 100 bucks
0: for a meal." Yeah, and also two water stations for 50,000 people. That shit should be illegal.
2: Yeah, it's it's inhumane. Because once you bring them in, now they're stuck.
0: Yeah, it's like a fucking concentration camp.
2: That's terrible.
0: Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, and it just gets worse every year. And it's and and they keep getting away with it. I'm I'm really amazed. It, this is like fire fire fest level bullshit.
2: So they've done this before and have had issues. Yeah,
0: they've done it three 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 years three or four years now, and every year it's been fucked up. When
2: does somebody step in and go? No, you're not doing this no more.
0: Well, just like if you were, uh, if you're, just like if you bought a ticket now to go to one of Vinny Vincent's things, what this now has that same level of gravitas where it's like, yeah. if you haven't researched and seen what a shit show this is, then you deserve what you get.
2: Blue Ridge Rock Festival 2025 featuring Vinny Vincent.
0: That's a match made in hell.
2: Puddle of Mud. Who
0: else <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that that there's an episode idea. Let's come up with the absolute worst festival you can imagine oh man, that'd be kind of funny um Freddie Mercury's Bohemian Rhapsody piano has sold at auction for two point two million dollars Wow Wow, and the original title of the song was Mongolian Rhapsody. Oh
2: yeah, that's right. You taught me that.
0: Yeah. But uh this was owned by Mary Austin, who was his close friend and former partner, and she owns most of his estate now, I think. But yeah, two point wow. $2. two million for the piano he wrote the song on. You
2: know what's better than roses on Freddie Mercury's piano? What? Two lips on his organ. Ay. <laughs>
0: that joke is fresh out of the bakery. Two point two million, huh? Wow, you're drinking today, aren't you? <laughs> Maybe I should start. <laughs> um, Rolling Stones announced a new album "Hackney Diamonds" and uh, released a, a, a video for the new single "Angry." Have you, have you heard the song yet? I haven't heard
2: the song yet, but I've heard several people remark about it's not goodness.
0: I, I actually kind of liked it. I, it's n- yeah? it's nothing great. It's not groundbreaking, but it sounds like a typical Rolling Stones song to me. And the video is fucking awesome. Okay. The the video is this really hot chick in a convertible car riding down Sunset Strip. And you remember like Sunset Strip got famous for all the band billboards? Yeah. It's just her going down Sunset Strip and there's a whole series of billboards of the Rolling Stones and it's all different eras and they you can tell they used AI, but like they animated This video like it looks like they're coming out of the billboard, like it's like live action. Well, that's pretty cool. I'll check that out. It's a the video is really awesome. The song, it's okay. Okay. All right. Well, I mean shit. What do you
2: expect out of the Rolling Stones in 2023? I will say this though, it's very cool that they're coming out with a new album, you know? The Rolling Stones fans are probably really damn happy about that. I wish some of my favorite bands would still come out with albums of new music.
0: Well, they did. They've done a couple singles in the last few years and every time it's been good to me. I'm glad they're just doing anything. I think it's pretty cool.
2: I think so too.
0: Uh there was a signed Led Zeppelin Houses of the Holy album sleeve that sold at auction for more than $18,000. Well, I mean, it's probably pretty rare, it's signed by all four members.
2: You can't get that recreated anymore.
0: It's believed that there are less than 30 albums signed by all four members in existence.
2: Cause they didn't like to sign albums, right? Well,
0: I don't, yeah, they were, they were not like the most fan friendly band from what I've read.
2: I'll sign your album, but then I'm going to punch you in the face and set you on fire
0: and shove a shark up your ass. Um, but yeah, th- that's pretty cool. I mean, of course with Bonham dying and, uh, let me take this opportunity to make a public apology. <laughs> If if you're okay with this. All right. Um on the recent best and worst of Zeppelin Part Two episode, I I thought I would like tap into the new technology that is AI and and see if I could like be hip and cool on what's new these days. And I used AI to help me with the show notes. And uh you guys helped point it out that AI is not where it needs to be just yet. <laughs> <laughs> I sent the message. Well,
2: first I saw somebody comment, and it was like uh, John Bonham died in 1980, not 1977. And I thought I don't recall anybody saying that in the episode. And then I thought, I'm sure, I'm sure nobody said that. What the fuck is this, you know? And then I go, oh shit, he must be talking about the show notes then. So then I go back and look at the show notes, and I immediately know by reading it. That you used AI.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's obvious.
2: (laughs) And I said, hey, AI doesn't know shit about Led Zeppelin. And you're like, what do you mean? And then you had to go fix it.
0: Yeah. So my my apologies. I got, it it wasn't even me being lazy. I was just like, let me just be cool and use AI. Well, I mean, it's there. It's a good thing. It's a tool that you can
2: use, but it's also something you need to double check on
0: yep yeah, um well it, until it gets better, I'm just not going to use it. I'm just gonna type it the old school way because I, I don't even trust my proofreading skills to to not catch something,
2: yeah, yeah, I guess you were probably just too busy with your uh your business lawyering,
0: <laughs> yeah my bankruptcy attorney business oh that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, AI thinks that I've been a bankruptcy attorney for the past 10 years. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I don't remember if we
2: talked about that on the real show or if that was VIP, but Chris looked up ourselves one time on AI, and it said that he was a bankruptcy lawyer that really helped a lot of people and that I was a famous video game voiceover artist. You should be. Which none of that is true, <laughs> but that's what AI thought.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it also said you were the founder and organizer of Rockin Pod. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: So good job. I'm, I'm gonna put that on my resume. <laughs> AI <laughs> says it's true. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, so I'm sorry, guys, uh, and some of you pointed it out, and uh, but thank. Always have a uh, very educated listeners. So damn right. Uh, I, I learned a hard lesson there.
2: Damn right, we do. All right. So it looks like you've got one last story because you teased <laughs> it at the beginning and I've been waiting to hear about this.
0: Yeah. So our buddy Sinkin Stanley g- getting uh, blabbermouth headlines as always. Uh, he went to a convention in Orlando that Sebastian Bach was a special guest at. And there was a, uh, there was a Q and a se- segment there and he had already met him and, and Sinkin Stanley is a friend of ours. So I text with him and He was telling me, you know, his plan to do this. He's, I'm going to hit Sebastian up with a question about Paul. And, uh, not only this story, but the other cool thing about this was the friend that went with sinking Stanley to this convention, had a jean jacket on. And when they got to do the, the meet and greet pictures right at the last second, his friend opened up the inside of his jean jacket and had a metal sludge sticker right there.
2: Oh, that dude is a legend now.
0: He is. That's the capture that no one's been able to get for 25 years now. Wow. Nice one, dude. Yeah. I thought that should have been a new story more than this. But, yeah.
2: Uh, it um, finally happens after all these years.
0: And, and, you know, our friend is wearing his Sinkin' Stanley T-shirt, so bass knows who's who he is and um sebastian always makes fun of chris jericho for using tapes right. and and uh and ronnie radke from falling in reverse yeah so tim got up and said well hey sebastian what do you think about paul stanley using uh backing tracks uh how isn't he cheating by doing that and i'm not going to read his whole thing here but basically sebastian's like well he wears heels and if you're 70 plus years old you're wearing heels you're breathing fire you're flying across the stage and then i i I think i think you should get a pass for that so basically if i grew up listening to you and i like you you get a pass but everybody else can fuck off
2: right yeah yeah
0: total hypocrite
2: double standard there if i (laughs) like you it's cool if i don't like you you suck for doing it
0: yeah. And then he even called out Eddie Trunk. He was like, well, Eddie Trunk will, you know, he'll, he said that uh, he he won't take his kids to see Kiss and they want to go see Kiss, but he won't because of them dressing Ace and Peter up or uh, Eric and Tommy up as Ace and Peter. And he says this in passing. And then Eddie Trunk responded on his radio show. He's like, my kids don't even like Kiss. He's like, and he's like, and I wouldn't go anyway. Not so much, even so much for the lip syncing, but also the, you know, those guys wearing the makeup.
2: Wait a minute. So out of nowhere, Sebastian Bach just makes up this story about Eddie Trunk and his family.
0: That's what he said. That's crazy. What the hell?
2: Like, yeah, uh, you know, he don't even want to. His kids want to go, but like he knows them. Like he's in there with the family. Like, yeah, I was over hanging out the other day. That's a weird thing to just make up and I don't know. Put out there during an interview.
0: Maybe Sammy was having a barbecue and all of them were at it. <sighs>
2: Him and Scott Ian, they were all there discussing the uh the pros of using tapes to enhance your live performances.
0: Yeah, but I mean just but uh, singing Stanley, uh, you know, as goofy as this whole shtick is, and it does go a little far sometimes, um but I have to give him credit though. He definitely has gotten the word out about the use of tracks. But the thing and I'll use this to make a point, my wife is watching um network TV, I think it was Fox and you know there's a show now called Lip Sync Battle where celebrities go on and have battles with each other to see who's better at fucking lip syncing? That's...
2: I don't know. But then there's air. there's been air guitar contests and stuff forever.
0: I don't know. It's just so symptomatic of where we are. It's just like Society of General is like, ah, eh, fuck having talent. You don't need that. Just lip sync. You'll be fine. It'll still right. be entertaining, and we'll still pay thousands to go to a fucking stadium and see you. It's so stupid.
2: Yeah. See, and then, like... When this has been a while back now, when we went and seen Queens of the Stone Age, the opening act was very, you could tell, very reliant on tracks and effects and their computer sitting up on the stage with them to the point where I even said to the wife, like, she's like, I don't know about this band. I was like, oh, well, imagine what it would sound like if you took the computer away because you hear all the ambient stuff going on. And then if you like stripped it down to the drummer, the guitar player, and the singer and the bass player, which I don't even know if there was a bass player.
0: What band was it?
2: I wish I could remember the name. Phantom
0: something. I probably haven't heard of them.
2: No, it was somebody I'd never heard of either. And I guess it was their last show on the tour. Maybe because they were using computers. I don't know. But it was like if you take that away, these guys are actually pretty horrible. And that's sad, you know, how it is when there's really talented bands that could be in that spot that don't need all the extra bells and whistles and things where they could just get up there and live or die by their own talent. And when they're that talented, they're going to do a great job. And that's the kind of bands that should be getting put out there. It's like, When we were kids, you'd look at a guitar player and be like, God, they must have practiced so long, you know, and worked so hard and really honed their songwriting craft or they were born with the talent. In either case, you know, they're very unique and awesome individuals. Right. But now that's not really revered anymore.
0: No, nobody gives
2: a fuck. Because it's hard work to do that, I think, you know, to really get good. At creating music, I mean, you got to put a lot of time and a lot of effort into that. And we're in an age where people don't want to take the time. You know, like the internet's changed everything where everything's so instant. Like I want to be good at guitar now and I want to write a song now and I don't want to practice for years and I don't want to do what it takes to get really good. I want it now.
0: Yeah. And, and it's depressing and it's like everybody wants a shortcut or a life hack or whatever you want to call it. And it's like. Sometimes certain things like I'm sorry but music should be appreciated and talent should really be appreciated like there shouldn't yeah. shouldn't be taking shortcuts through that stuff. I just and I don't even mean to sound like an old guy but it's like when did we stop appreciating actual talent? It's so fucking sad.
2: Right, cuz if you're taking shortcuts to talent then that undercuts actual talent. It diminishes the value of true talent. If anyone could do it then why doesn't everybody do it? Oh wait a minute, look around. Everybody's doing it.
0: Yeah, and it's like, you know, you and I are two of the people that like to fight the, you know, fight the whole battle of rock is not dead, but man, it's it may not be dead, but it's not going in a great direction with this type of shit going on.
2: Man, we need to do a fresh blood and we need to do it next week.
0: Let's just hope they don't use tracks.
2: We don't feature bands that use tracks. We feature bands With talent. So there's a promise to you next week, the return of fresh blood. Because damn it, more than ever, we need some right now. Sound good?
0: Sounds good. Let's do it.
2: All right. We will see you next week for that.
0: See ya.